0: I had an interesting experience um, yesterday. Someone had posted on Facebook, as you notice, ever since the prophet had asked for a fast. And we've got this thing on Facebook and on social media where people ask for prayers and tell their situations. And it's touching, but sometimes it it can be a little wane. But someone had um messaged and talked about struggling with wayward children. And I had the coolest thing happen, and I, I might have already shared this at one point, but at one point when I was really, really struggling and praying, and I had fa- been fasting for at least five years for one of my children, um, there was a talk given to my daughter on her mission, and she wrote and told me, and it was in a state conference and it was the four wayward children, parents of wayward children. And the speaker had talked about each of us are on a dock, given this analogy, that each of our families are on a dock. And it's as if one of our children gets in a boat and pushes off without oars. And we have three choices, he said. We have the rope that is tethered to the dock and to our family. And we can throw the rope in and say, well, you've made your choice, and so I'm done with you. Good luck. And watch as the boat goes with the water. And that's not what we do. As parents, we know that's not what we do. You would never leave the dock. You wouldn't jump in and start swimming to the boat, hoping to get them back to the dock. Because if the water gets choppy, if they, which it does, oftentimes it would be very dangerous. And so he said, you stay on the dock. And as you hold to that rope that is tethered to that boat and the water gets choppy and turns, you have a choice. You can hold that rope tightly. And if you hold it tightly and the waves get choppy and the water gets rough, that boat is gonna capsize. And he said, really, the only choice that we have as parents is to loosely hold the rope and watch. And eventually, he promised, your child will signal that they've had enough and they're ready to come home. And that was so touching to me and so profound. And it ties so much into what stood out to me or what my aha was in Helaman chapter 5 today. So as we start Helaman chapter 5, we find out Helaman is dead, the son of Helaman, grandson of Alma, (laughs) and his son Nephi, he named his two sons Nephi and Lehi, and I love that. His son Nephi is who he ordained or who took the judgment seat and also became prophet. And I love that. We go back to this illustration of a man of God being the chief judge and also the prophet because it unifies, and if you notice, they're not killed by the Gadianton robbers, which are growing in strength and which are still prevalent, and so here's Nephi, and he is the chief judge and the prophet, but he steps down from the judgment seat and turns it over to a man named Sezorim, who we'll hear more about in in the next chapter, but He becomes prophet full time. And the reason he becomes prophet full time is it tells us the laws are becoming corrupted, the people can't be governed, the wickedness is growing. And it just reminds me of that scripture the preaching of the word had a greater effect than anything on the people. And so Nephi knows this. And so he goes and decides with his brother Lehi, and I love that it's with his brother, this awesome companionship, that they're going to teach the word and that they're going to devote them time, themselves full-time to being the prophet and his companion, but also um, to being missionaries full-time. And so in verses 6 through 12, they detail what their father taught them. And this is so touching to have what their father Helaman has taught them. And he teaches them a lot of really good things. And the first is he tells them why he's given them their names. Remember that when you... Think of these names, you'll remember them, and they'll re- you'll remember their good works and what they did, and you'll remember they were good. And then if you go down to the footnotes, one of the footnotes is Jacob 1.10, which is all about the goodness of Nephi, and also I thought of that scripture, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, which is all about Lehi, and so I love that. Okay, but if you jump down, so he outlines for them all of these great, great truths, That he wants them to know. And it's really cool to go through that with your kids. But the one I want to center on is verse 12. Because it kind of sums it up. And he says, And now, my sons, remember, remember, it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that you must build your foundation. That when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, his shafts in the whirlwind, when his hail and his mighty storm, and I would say on the water, shall beat upon you. It shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery or endless woe or drown you because of the rock which you are built on, which is a sure foundation on which you build and you cannot fall. I love this. Okay, so I would ask my students, what is your rock that you have built your life on so far? What would you say your rock is your sure foundation? What do you know And what do you believe to be true? What are you building it on right now? So I would have a a conversation upon that. Okay, now if you turn to 17, and it tells us because of this rock that they have built their life on, which their dad Helaman has taught them to build their life on, This is what it tells us in verse 17. And it came to pass, this is Nephi and Lehi, did preach with such great power, insomuch they did confound many of the dissenters. Okay, we have not seen this yet. They did confound many of the dissenters, not Lamanites, dissenters, who had gone over from the Nephites, insomuch they came forth, did confess their sins, and were baptized unto repentance, and immediately returned to the Nephites to endeavor, to repair the wrongs they have done. That is incredible faith. That is an incredible foundation to be built on. And we're going to go on in verse 18. Why are they so strong? And it came to pass Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given to them that they might speak, and they also had what they should speak given to them. Now that is something that I pray constantly as a parent, as a seminary teacher, when you give talks, that is an awesome gift and I can tell you there are times it happens, I can tell you there are times that it does not, but what a gift and that comes from a lot of prayer and fasting, that comes from a lot of faith and that comes from that foundation and God is using them to such a great effect. So I love that. So pray to have given to you what you should speak. I love that. 19, therefore they did speak to the great astonishment of the Lamanites, to the convincing of them that there were 8,000, and I'm sorry, I'm jumping, of the Lamanites who were in the land of Zarahemla and round about who were baptized unto repentance and convinced of the wickedness of the tradition of their fathers. Okay, So I can just visualize Mormon and Moroni here at this point going, okay, this sounds a lot like the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, the thousands that are joined, okay, to the church and repent. And so we have that story. Which one should we use? Well, you know what? Here's some different things in Nephi and Lehi's story. Let's focus on those and because we already have the story of Ammon and cutting off the arms, and that's a pretty cool story. And we already have the story of his brothers being delivered from jail and convincing the dad and, and the conversion of the dad and them passing out joy. So you know what? Let's concentrate on that for that. And we'll concentrate on this story differently for Nephi and Lehi. But we still want to mention that they could not deny the testimony of Le- Nephi and Lehi. And so we want to put that here. And I... Just love that thought that they're like, okay. Okay, and then it goes on in 21, and it tells us that Nephi and Lehi are taken and bound and cast in prison. So they're still sacrificing. There's still people who don't believe. There's still hardship, just like the sons of Mosiah, just like Alma when they went on their missions. It is work and it is a sacrifice. And one of the things that stood out is it says in 21, and it came to pass, they were taken by an army of the Lamanites and cast in prison. The same prison which Ammon and his brother were cast in by the servants of Limhi. Remember that? Okay, so remember when Ammon goes to deliver his brothers and how brutal it is? 22, and after they had been cast in prison many days without food, they came forth that they might might slay them. Okay, so this is a famous jail prison for its brutality. That's why I like that verse is because it details other people who have been in it. Okay, it tells them they're brought forth, they're going to kill them. Okay, and here's 23 what happens. And it came to pass, Nephi and Lehi were encircled as if by fire, and they durst not lay their hands on them. Okay, that is amazing. That's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I love that we have more examples than just this. It's so And in 26, it says, Nephi and Lehi did stand forth and began to speak. And what's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Fear not. It is God that has shown you this marvelous thing. Okay, that's incredible. Don't be afraid. I know it looks like we're going to burn. We're not. This is all God. Okay, I think it's so cool that they're not like, okay, do you see? They they aren't chastising them. They're not berating them. They're not. They're just saying, don't be afraid. Is that not a voice of love and caring? Okay, 27, and after they say this, what happens? An earthquake, okay? So here's God who has surrounded us by fire and not burning us. And in 27, here's God. He's going to shake the earth. And he's going to shake the walls of the prison, but they don't fall. And not only that, here comes 28. What happens? They're overshadowed and surrounded by darkness. Okay, God is preaching a sermon. Not only do Nephi and Lehi have given to them what to say that they cannot discount their words. God is preaching a sermon. And if you will not hear me through my prophet If you will not hear me through the words of the scriptures, then guess what? I'm going to try earthquakes. I'm going to try fire. I'm going to try darkness. I'm going to try whatever it takes to get you to hear my voice and repent. Because my entire goal is that you come back. And so that storm in the water that may happen that we may have to hold loosely to that rope No, that is God speaking because his entire goal is for them to signal they're tired and they want to come home and they want to come back. Okay. So not only does this happen, but in 29, a voice comes that cries out, repent. Okay. And it tells us in 30, it's a still voice, mild, perfect mildness, pierces them. And I love that to the very center. I love that it Says this many times in the scriptures, okay. Then it happens again, okay. So it shakes again, the earth shakes again, the darkness doesn't leave, but it happens three times. This earthquake happens three times, and three times they hear a voice telling them to repent, and then in 34, and I love that because if you study the number three in the scriptures, which I've been trying to do to figure out what those mean because you see these patterns in the scriptures, three means complete, divine, and it also signals a covenant that we make with the Lord. And I love that. So the reason it's listed three times is because it is complete, we have now, the Lord has called you. It is complete. Repent. He tells us three times, and now you're ready to listen. And I love that. Okay, 34, they could not flee because of the darkness. Where would they go anyway? Wouldn't you want to be there to hear? But I love that God makes it impossible for them to move because His goal is for them to come back. And so his goal is for them to hear his love here. He has a plan. And so I love that. They're immovable because of the fear. And then it tells us in 35 that there is a man there who is a dissenter. He was a Nephite by birth, but he is dissented from the church. And he sees this cloud of darkness and he knows and, and he turns himself about in 36. And that is where I want us to center. And it came to pass, and his name's Aminadab, we're going to find this out, he turned him about, and that is so significant, he turns him about, no one else can move, everyone else is terrified, why, why does he turn him about? And behold, he saw the faces of Nephi and Lehi, and they did shine exceedingly, even as the face of angels, that's the spirit. And he beheld, they did lift their eyes to the heaven and they were in the attitude of talking or lifting their voices to someone they beheld. And it came to pass, in 37, what does this man do? He cries to the multitude. He becomes a missionary. And he tells them, turn and look. Look and see what God is doing. And the thing that is so neat to me is the reason this man turns and looks is because deep down he knows. Deep down there is a testimony in there that has been Planted by parents, deep down there was this rock that was beginning to be formed to build his testimony on, and something happened that he went away, and maybe his parents went away too, I don't know, but someone planted that in him, and he knew And he turned him about and he saw. And not only did he see, but he turns and he has this desire for everyone in this multitude, everyone in this prison to know what he knows. And he gets to be the missionary and he tells them, turn and look. And that's what's so awesome is, do you know what they do? They did. Behold, they turn and they look. They're given them the power. They're given the power, excuse me, because that becomes their desire. And God gives them the power, and they turn and look. And it tells that they turn to Aminadab and they say, Who are they talking to? And all of a sudden, Aminadab becomes this missionary, and he tells them they're conversing with angels of God. Well, how the world would Aminadab know that if he didn't have that knowledge, that spark of truth planted deep down in his? heart it reminds me so much of Alma the Younger when he's in the darkest abyss and it says and I seem to remember one Jesus Christ whom my father had testified of this wayward child this dissenter whose parents probably spent so much time praying and fasting over him and probably he's in prison are almost in the depths of despair and ready to give up and let go of that rope but do you know what He turns and he looks and what does he become? He becomes a missionary. Prison has humbled him and he teaches the rest. And he says, so then the people say, what should we do that we can have this darkness gone? And in verse 41, Aminadab says, you must repent. Here's this dissenter. This evil, evil person in prison, and look at the change. He is the missionary. you must repent and cry into the voice, even until you have the faith in Christ, who was taught. And he starts quoting the scriptures by Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. These were not men who lived in his lifetime. These were men that he heard others testify of. And he's teaching the scriptures, the prophecies of prophets. And what happens when they do begin to cry Even the cloud of darkness dispersed in forty-two, and it came to pass when they cast their eyes about, what do they behold? They also are encircled by this fire, this huge miracle. And it tells us um, in forty-four, and Nephi and Lehi were in the midst, and they were encircled, and yet it did not harm them. Harm them. Neither did it take hold of the walls of the prison. And this is what I love. And they were filled with that joy. That is in, unspeakable. That is the joy of the fruit of the tree. It is the love of God. And it is unspeakable. And behold, in 45, the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and enter their hearts. And they were filled. And they began to prophesy. And what happens with this? And they're told a voice cries out peace, and that's the greatest gift gift we can have. And they cast their eyes towards heaven, and they see angels, and the angels minister, and they prophesy. And what becomes of these prisoners, these 349, it tells us they were 300. And what happens? They were bidden to go forth, and marvel not, neither should they doubt. And it came to pass, in verse 50, they did go forth and minister to the people, And the more part of the Lamanites were convinced, these become God's missionaries. These become God's force. And oh my goodness, what an incredible story. But really this all centered on to me, turned him about, he turned him about and looked and he saw and he became a missionary and he taught what he had been taught early in his life. And we are promised by prophets and apostles, that if we stay on the dock, if we stay true to what we know, all of our children will return. And we have to trust the Lord's timing. And I love this story. I love that Moroni and Mormon knew that, yes, so many thousands were converted by Nephi and Lehi, but this was a really cool story for us to have. And I love the aha that came to me. It is so important that we never give up. Continue to stay on that dock and do the things we know to be right. Preach a sermon through your life and love. That's what we're told to do. Love. Loosely hold that rope and let them know you're never moving because you love them. And they will signal and come back. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.